Hallelujah. Just had to bask in his presence a few minutes. We've been fighting the enemy all morning and he's still trying. But I just needed to rest in his presence. And think about how much he loved me. Think about sitting at his feet. That's where Mary, the sister of Martha, was. Mary's going about the house, doing all that's necessary for the company that's in the house. Martha comes to Jesus and says, I'm much cumbered about. Mary's sitting in there listening to you. And Jesus said she had chosen the best thing. I want to sit at his feet. One more time, the Lord has displayed, Brother Jordan, I think it's the monitor up here. His love for me and my family this week. Sister Kathy had a Sister Kathy had an accident on Thursday and totaled her car and clipped two telephone poles and was standing in the yard when I got over there to where she was at. And the Lord's good. And when I think about his love for us and his mercy, how many of the rest of us this week just missed that same accident? Just tire go off the road and then it's chaos until it stops. The Lord's been good. We've had a little frustration this morning just trying to get started. And over 30 years of ministry and 57 years almost in church, I've discovered one thing. The enemy knows when God's about to do something good. So he tries to frustrate us. Don't get me wrong, I'm frustrated. But when I look at what God has done, just this week anytime you fool with stuff you're going to get stuff go on so I finally learned over the years just to let it flow sing to the glory of the Lord and encounter what we just encountered because of our worship because of your worship the sweet nearness of the presence of the Lord he is here Amen. Give him a hand clap of praise, would you? And you can be seated just a few moments. We'll be receiving the offering, tithe and offering in just a few minutes. But Brother Mills, if you would make your way. You remember just a few weeks ago over the Easter weekend, uh, we helped Brother Mills go to Africa. uh, And I've asked him to just give us a, 
a quick update on everything the Lord did there. I think you're going to be amazed. If we send folk and don't hear back from them, I, I, you know, we need to see what the Lord's doing. Amen? I guess without his introduction, you could look at me and tell where I've been. This was a gift that was given to me in the country of uh, Cote d'Ivoire. Those of us uh, that's a little older, we remember it as Ivory Coast. And the Lord had uh, opened the door for me to go back to this country, that my fourth time to be there and to preach their national convention. Uh, I have been working in Africa uh, since 1998. And uh, the Lord gave me the greatest gift of being able to work in Africa. Never had a burden for the country. If you'd asked me where I had a burden for it was in the Far East, having uh, suffered for Jesus in Hawaii and, and uh, uh, got used to that culture and so forth. But he suddenly called me to go to Africa several years ago. I served as uh, overseer in, in four different countries and then uh, as the uh, projects coordinator and uh, uh, missions rep and then also as the superintendent of West Africa in over 17 countries in West Africa. God blessed in a wonderful way. The door opened for me to go preach their national convention, Ivory Coast National Convention, just a, a couple of weeks ago. God, you helped me to go. I appreciate the gift that was given, the offering that was given. It was a tremendous blessing. Uh, I have many opportunities to go back to Africa, but it costs to go. Uh, if you've not flown lately, you, you uh, won't understand how much it has gone up in just the last little while. But God opened that door. You, uh, Pastor, you talk about fighting this morning. The Lord fought that convention all the way through. Just getting across the, the city of Abidjan took us over two hours. Coming back on Sunday, it was just about 20-minute drive, but it took us over two hours. But, uh, and then the first night, supposed to start, they couldn't get the lights to work. You talk about having problems with these um, uh, electronics and so forth. The lights would not work. And so finally, I just told the overseer, I said, let's let them rest tonight. I'll preach the next three services. Uh, and so on Saturday morning, I began to preach. God came down in a glorious way. You can go ahead and show what few pictures. There will be a few pictures. They were not able to download the ones that I had up there. But you can see uh, just the, the, the worship. Uh, you talk about exuberant worship. You haven't seen any until you've been in Africa. I mean, they dance everywhere, anywhere, however. They get involved in their worship in a physical way. So you can see, uh, actually here, they were just giving an offering there. And they started running to be able to give their offering. God moved in a beautiful way on Saturday morning. We had 50 saved on Saturday morning. Can you give God the praise? 50 saved. We had about a 650 attendance in a very poor country. Uh, but God moved in a wonderful way. On, in the evening service, people came. The theme of the, the, the convention was um, loosely translated. It meant confusion, ending confusion through Jesus Christ. Uh, I didn't know what the theme was for a long time, but the Lord began to deal with me about the messages, and every one of the messages he gave me was to deal with that kind of thing. 
And on, on uh, Saturday night, God moved in a way that people came running and were delivered of confusions in their lives. And some even that were demon-possessed were delivered from that demon possession. On Sunday morning, of course, it was Easter. And on Easter Sunday morning, God gave us a wonderful time of celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And they came down, uh, almost everyone came down to the front and began to stand and worship the living, risen Savior, Jesus Christ. This is a poor country. Ah, there I am. Hold it there for just a minute. It's Everybody thought that was an African shirt, but I actually ordered that online here. But it went well with the theme there. Uh, one of the things that surprises everybody over there. I'm not going to tell you my age, but uh, uh, I'm older than I look, I hope. Uh, but they, they said he's still too strong. He's still too strong. God gives uh, the energy that we need. On Sunday morning, and this is the Sunday morning service, there's a, a piece of land in the town or, or the city of San Pedro, Cote d'Ivoire. God's blessed them with a a, a, a company, I don't want to call it a company, a ministry, I guess you would call it, here in the U.S., that is building some church buildings in Africa. And uh, in this particular instance, they have already uh, uh, approved and started building. I don't know if it'll, you can go ahead and kind of roll what's left. They couldn't get them all down. Oh, there it is, right there. This is where they're building the new building on their plot. They were able to talk the people into letting them go ahead and build on three plots. Uh, three lots, you we call them here. I'm so used to Africa, I call them plots. But three plots without having paid for them yet. And uh, so they're making their own blocks, by the way. And what you see, you can go on to the next one if it's there. Uh, you can see the foundations already going in. They were able to purchase these three lots for $12,000. The picture you saw just a few minutes ago was them running to give an offering towards these plots. They gave in a poor country, and when I'm talking poor, I'm talking we in the United States don't know the poverty that is there. But they were able to raise over $4,000 that morning. I praise the Lord for that. I mean, they, they came running to give that money because they already saw the need and saw what God had blessed them with. And so the pastor, I'm going to let him finish this up, but just to let me say that the pastor has said that this church would help in purchasing the lots because they only have a limited number of days and a, a couple of months more to be able to pay for these plots. Uh, 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 because the people have been so generous to let them go ahead and even start building because this ministry was able to, are able to get everybody together and start the build. I want to thank you. Pastor, come on up, up here or I'm liable to keep on going. I want to thank you for helping me, first of all, to go. Uh, I still have a burden for Africa. I worked there 21 years, and I still have a burden for it. And... It, Folks like you are helping me, enabling me to carry on this burden as well. And even in the pastor saying that he, he would like for the church to help in, in those plots, that is helping my burden. It's really 
carrying me on. So thank you so much. Thank you, Pastor, for the opportunity to present. God bless you. Praise the Lord. We already have seed in that community with 50 souls. Just by what we invested in helping him, Brother Mills, go and preach the gospel. Uh, when he was sharing um, their need uh, out of, we know what need is. We've been there. Hallelujah, we're not there anymore. So we're going to help these folks. And getting that debt off of them. Amen. And then we'll truly, truly be invested in every soul, every life that is touched and changed in that church when it's built. Amen. You say, well, Pastor, I'm not prepared to give today for that. Good, because I wasn't going to ask you today. I want you to pray about it. Uh, here in the next couple weeks, um, I'll explain to you just a little bit more. But in a couple weeks, we're going to be preaching on our mission. Uh, the mission of Hopewell and where we're at and where we're going and what I'd like to see for us to do. What I feel like the Lord's laying on our heart uh, to do home and abroad. Amen. So just just be preparing. Get your hearts ready. Ask How many do you actually pray when we have these uh, special offerings coming up in the future? Do you actually ask the Lord? Yeah. Good. Thank you. And for those of you that don't, please start. Uh, I know what it's like to pray and be half afraid of what the Lord might ask you to do. Huh? Yeah, you afraid he's going to ask you to really give. And let me just tell you something. When you pray, normally what I've discovered in my own life, the first number he pops in my mind is the one that he wants me to give. And because it's after that I start trying to figure what I want to do. Because that's not the number I would normally come up with. Hello? Am I the only one that does that? I don't think so. Because that, that first number is from his heart, and you think, oh, oh, really? <laughs> Whew. Okay, Lord. After you've wrestled with it and prayed through for a week. But be in prayer. Ask the Lord what you'd have, he would have you to do. And we're going to bless this church. We're going to help see it built. Amen. And uh, do something for the kingdom of God. Has the Lord been good to you? Has he blessed you this week? He's blessed us, amen, um, still getting reports, checks are still coming in the mail, blessings are still flowing, so we're going to keep on asking, amen, let's pray, Father, in the lovely name, the name above every, the name of Jesus, we approach you today, your throne, so grateful, 50 souls added to the kingdom, others delivered and lives changed. We're grateful for that report this morning. Father, I pray over the household of faith today. Jobs and better jobs. Increases. Checks in the mail. Refunds. Rebates. Inheritance. Any and everything that belongs unto your people. Get it to them. As we believe what your word declares, that you'll supply all of our need according to your riches and glory. By Christ Jesus, bless the household of faith today. Amen and amen. Let's stand together. Just come and worship in your giving this morning and bless the Lord.
Give him the best praise you brought with you this morning. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, be turning with me to Mark's Gospel. Gospel of Mark, chapter 13. Mark 13. Such a wonderful atmosphere in the house of the Lord today. It's, it's almost one that, that could probably just let us worship our way out. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm a man of the word. Um, I'd rather preach the word as to sing. But there are times that our song puts us in a place within his grace that we just need to be comforted, just need to be embraced by his grace. And open hearts of worship um, position us for that, I really believe. Um, and there are those times, and this one's close, but not hardly. I'm going I'm to preach to us today. If, if I get started and feel like I've missed it, Pastor Donnie's going to get right back up real quick, and we're going to worship our way out, and I'll pick back up on this later, next week. Uh, some would think it's, it's simple to moderate a church service. It is if it's all choreographed. There's not a problem. But you see, we, we being Pentecostal, there's an inbreaking of the Spirit, and sometimes the best and most well-laid plans get just blown apart if you want to follow Him. Now, if you're not worried about Him, then, then it doesn't matter. But you see, as soon as I get here, I'm, I'm concerned about Him. And what he desires from us. And what the spirit wills to do in us. Amen. So that when we leave we can say wow. Wow. Not that we boy wasn't the singing great. Man didn't the pastor preach a great word. No. That we leave here saying were we not in the presence of God. Man did you feel what I felt today. Did you encounter his grace and his glory like I did today. That's my chief aim and goal, that we encounter him at the depth that he desires. So I'm going to give this a try. Mark 13, beginning at verse 31. And the word of the Lord declares, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. But of that day and that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Take ye heed, watch and pray, for you know not when the time is. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey, now listen, who left his house 
and gave authority to his servants and to every man his work and commanded the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh, at even or at midnight or at the cock crowing or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he finds you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. Watch. For the next couple, two, three weeks, ever how long the Lord lays on my heart, I'm going to preach to you a, a series on living in the meantime. Living in the meantime. And we're going to look at, out of these texts, things that Christ left the church, things he left them to do from our text this morning. We're just going to cover one today. Heavenly Father, I truly love you. Wow. I could leave just now and declare it's been good to have been in the house of the Lord. But I need your help, Lord. You've, you've put this word in my heart. and You've stirred it in my spirit. So, Lord, help me preach today with that anointing that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's great liberty. And, Lord, let us not be mindful of the time. I know what time it is, but help us not be in a hurry. Help me not rush today. But we that have ears to hear would hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. In the name above every name, the name of Jesus. And the church said, amen and amen. I want you as you're being seated, would you, would you give Brother Jordan a hand this morning for me? That is the least, that, I'm telling you, that is the least honorable job in the church. Anytime, somebody sat behind that board before. Yeah, if you have to help control sound, uh, it's... It's not easy. So thank you, brother. And all those who rotate in and out of there, thank you so much for all that you do to help it not be too loud, help it not be too soft, and that we all hear what we need to hear to get the job done. Amen? Lamentations 3.26 declares, It is good that one should hope and wait quietly. For the salvation of the Lord. Just this past week, we began with uh, Brother Scotty preaching on Thomas after the resurrection, the struggle that he had after the resurrection. When I think about where we are living in the meantime now, I think about the disciples and how hard it must have been for them. Uh, we we give them a hard time. On occasion but unless we were living with them it would be hard for us to understand how and why they did what they did but living in the meantime is a is a place where we're now the promised coming of Christ that we've read in our text today it's been the great hope of believers down through the centuries the ancient Nicene Creed affirms 
as the scripture declare, he shall come again with glory. Charles Wesley, is said, wrote some 7,000 hymns. 5,000 of those hymns mentioned the coming of Christ. As the Archbishop of Canterbury crowned Queen Elizabeth II at her coronation, he stated, and I quote, I give thee, O sovereign lady, this crown to wear until he who reserves the right to wear it shall return. Now, isn't that good to remind the monarch that your crown is simply borrowed? That your crown is simply on loan? Just hold it because one day he who deserves to wear it will return for it. (laughs) So until then, the world in which you and I live in remains in the grip of violence, in the grip of despair, As one columnist noted, and he summed it up this way in his article, For us, all the world is disorderly and dangerous, ungoverned, and apparently ungovernable. Someday, however, the king will return. Amen. Someday the heavens will shout, as John the Revelator recorded in 1115. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. While we're living in the meantime, we live in despair. We live in danger. We live in sickness. We live around disease. We we live where accidents are prone day in and day out. We must be on our guard continually. And when we think about the coming of the Lord, when we think about the kingdoms of this world, We have to understand that Christ alone is the answer to the burdens of our hearts and the hopelessness of our world. There is no other help. There is no other remedy. The only remedy for humanity is that of Jesus Christ. It's the balm of his precious blood applied to our sin. It's his broken body that was given that we may be healed. And it was that crown of thorns piercing his brow that brings about the peace of our mind. He received in his body all that we need in the redemption of ours. And I'm so grateful today that we are living in that time and there is no other answer. There is no other hope. I know the disparity of our world and our world is being turned upside down and inside out. But in the world in which we are living that is turned upside down, when you find hard, I feel my help coming or I'm just getting mad one. <laughs> and sometimes you just got to get mad before the anointing comes and then it'll fade in. And, and nobody will know the difference. But when I look at our world, and you and I are living in the meantime, we're living in between uh, the crucifixion and resurrection and the return of the King of glory. And in the midst of living in the meantime, uh, there's a dilemma 
that we are faced with. And it's the upside down culture. And it's only going to get worse, child of God. So therefore, we have to be determined in ourselves how we are going to live and what we are going to do in the meantime. And I am so grateful that what we are going to do and have to do and being commanded to do hasn't been left up to our interpretation. But we have been directed by the Lord and through His Word on what it is we must be about doing. Understand this. Jesus Christ came into the world on a mission. He didn't just come happenstance. The Father just didn't say, well, it's as good a time as any. No, He was sent on a divine appointment at a divine moment in time. When the fullness of time had come, He was sent into the world. What does that mean? I believe when God had about all He could stand and knew that it was time, it was marked, man had gone as far as he would will that he would go on his own in trying to adhere to the law, but he knew that grace was going to have to enter into man's life if man was going to make a turn. And the only way his grace was going to be imparted into man is if he dispatched his righteousness, which come through his only begotten Son. And so when the fullness of time came, Christ was born in a manger in Bethlehem. And when the fullness of time came, he was crucified on Golgotha's old hill. And when the fullness of time come, on the third day, he arose. And when the fullness of time comes, the archangel's going to step out in the clouds of heaven. And he's going to lick his lips. And he's going to sound upon the trumpet. And the angel beside him is going to give a great shout. And here's what's going to happen. When the time comes, when the fullness of time is come about, then we which are alive and remain shall be changed. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And together we're going to meet the Lord in the air. But in the meantime, what we going to do? Well, eventually we're going to get in the next few weeks to the upper room. If I don't get ahead of myself and get us there today. But I'm trying to wait till we get to Pentecost Sunday to bring that about. In the meantime, he was sent on a mission. According to Luke 19 and 10, that mission is to seek and to save that which was lost. According to the scripture, he went about doing good, healing the sick, cleansing lepers, casting out devils, and even raising the dead. When you read through scripture, multitudes followed him. And were thrilled at his every word. According to John 7, 46, never a man spake like this man. Hallelujah. Never a man spake like this man. Why? Because when Jesus spoke, things happened. That's why. When he would speak to the deaf, their ears would be open. Hallelujah. And they'd never seen anything or heard anything quite like that. Many were sitting there the day in the synagogue when he opened up and rolled the scroll of Isaiah before him and began to declare, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And many others had read that. The leaders of the synagogue no doubt had read through Isaiah's scroll. But there was something that tingled in their ears this day when the word of the living God, when God in the flesh unrolled the scroll and began to declare of himself, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and I have been anointed. Hallelujah. The spirit of the Lord is upon me and I'm bringing good news to the brokenhearted. I'm coming to help the bruised out. I'm coming to open the eyes of the blind. That is why I'm here. That's why the spirit of the Lord is on me and I'm coming to declare the acceptable year of the Lord. 
They'd never heard it, never heard it on that wise, they never heard him speak. No one had ever spoken with that type of authority when they began to declare the word of God. So they stood in awe of the power of his authority. They stood in amazement at all that he done. Oh, we, the disciples were with him. They seen every miracle that he performed, and they were still amazed the day he spoke to the fig tree, when he cursed the fig tree, and the next morning they walked by, and it's already withered up. They were still amazed and stood in awe at the authority of his word. Oh, wouldn't it be great today if we were in awe of the authority of His Word one more time? Oh, wouldn't it be great if we would read His Word and then in fear and tremble humble ourselves under the authority of that Word and live in accordance to that hope and live in accordance to the commands and the dictates of His Word concerning our hearts to be in awe of His Word. Are you in awe of His Word? I am. I stand in awe. I stand in amazement. And when he declares, things have come to pass. So they stand in awe of the power and authority with which he spake. They wanted to make him their king. (laughs) But he declared his kingdom was not of this world. Yet. (laughs) That's the part I like. Yet. (laughs) But there's a day coming. His kingdom's not of this world. So when he was nearing the end of that earthly ministry, a few weeks ago we declared when he knew that he was going to proclaim it is finished and we talked about it and what it was. And when he knew that he was going to declare and speak that and all that he had spoken would be coming to pass and his work below would be complete, he placed full responsibility of continuing the church in the hands of his faithful followers. Are you hearing me? When he looked down from the cross and he he saw his mother and he saw his dear friend John, he said, Behold your mother. Mother, behold your son. In other words, John, take care of mama for me. I'm going to be going here shortly. And so John, take care of mama. I'm telling you what son doesn't love his mama. Hello? What son don't love his mama? Take care of my mama. And Before he declares it is over, the earthly work completed. The mission that he'd been sent for was about to be fulfilled. His blood was about to be presented in the holiest of holies, not in Jerusalem, but in glory. It's about to be completed. But in that completion, he left his work in the hands of faithful followers. There are some things in our text today that he left for them to do. And those things that are mentioned in this text are still our assignment. And so while we are in waiting, while we are in the meantime, while we're waiting for the Lord's return... We have to understand that we have just not been given a a, a just set and wait pass. You've not just been given an idol until I get there. No, that is not what we have been mandated to do. We have the mandate of going into all the world. Hallelujah. We all don't have a call. We don't have a call. All of us like Brother Mills is sharing that, that, that African continent just woos and calls his soul because God has put Africa in his heart and in his soul and he and he'd given 20 something years of his life 
life to see the gospel furthered there and souls to be saved and the good news to be proclaimed. But I'm telling you, we've all been mandated to go. And the, the, the heart of the text is as you are going. So that doesn't, so we, we don't, any of us have a free pass, does it? Because we're all going. What does that mean, Pastor? It means as you are going through your life daily, what are you supposed to do? You're going to make disciples into the, all the world as you're going about the world and everywhere you go as you go through Walmart as you make your way through Ace Hardware if you go through the gas station as you go as you're going to soccer practice play practice basketball baseball football volleyball all of the music practice wherever you're going as you are going you are to be making disciples well how do I do that with the dictates of your heart and the passion that you have of the grace of God that wells up with inside you we've all been mandated it is alive and living mission and until that mission is complete we are all to be about his business so while we're living in the meantime we got to keep ourselves upright before him and humble down before him we got to keep ourselves washed with the purification and the water of his word that we remain regenerated so that all who see us may know there is a king of glory and he's on his way but in the meantime So, verse 34, the first thing that he leaves them is a special trust. He left them a special trust. Verse 34, he leaves him, them, the responsibility of taking care of his house. You see, he gives this parable of a man taking a far journey. And this parable's in reference to himself. He's knowing where he's going. They've still not figured it out at this point. But he knows what his life's about to be. He knows that his earthly work is about to be over. So someone has to pick up where he's left off and where he's leaving off. Man, my head's spinning. I could jump way ahead, but I'm going to I'm gonna try to remain focused this morning. So he's left them his house. It's a very special trust. Everything that Christ came to earth for, everything that he owned, everything that he had passion about was in that house. And all that meant anything to him in this world and of this world was in that house. But note, just for a moment, and when you begin to think about it, it was not just for them to look at. According to Luke 19.33, they received the mandate there in the teaching of the Lord, Occupy until I come. Now, occupy doesn't mean just find something to do. Occupy has a military uh, word and a coordination behind it. It, it. it has an impetus that you got to go claim more territory. Occupy. Amen? Occupy. In other words, you've been mandated to get on the enemy's territory and stake some claim. To go occupy until I come. It's his house. When we think about the house of the Lord, it's a place of dwelling. It's a place of safety. It's a place of security. And he left them his house. My Lord, when we think about his house, how wonderful and beautiful the house of the Lord truly is. He said, I come. Occupy. Carry on with business as normal. Don't let up, fellas. 
When you see those who are filled with demons, cast them out. When you see those who are sick, lay hands on them and raise them up and preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. I am so afraid that the modern day church has gotten away from the simplicity of preaching the gospel. We do so many other things. We want to have so many other activities, but the activities and other things are not our mandate. Our mandate is to preach the gospel. It's to tell the good news that Christ came to earth for the wretchedness of their soul and the misery of their life. Not only for that, but that they may have joy unspeakable and it be full of glory. Living in the meantime doesn't mean living through misery. It means living in the joy and the glory of the Lord. While we are living here now, we're in His house. And in His house is His presence. (laughs) Heaven's work placed and left in the hands of humanity. Left in the hands of those disciples. John 20, 21 says, As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. Luke 10, 3, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. Mm? And harmless and be harmless as doves. Amen. Because we have to be wise as serpents. Be therefore wise as serpents, but be harmless as doves. It should not surprise you that the world's going to bite on you. It shouldn't surprise you that the world's going to stand up against you. But that's all right. Greater is he that's in you than he that is in this world. It's time for the church to come out of the darkness again. It's time for us to come out declaring the precious light of the Lamb of God. Look, sinner. Man, if you want out of a cradle, (laughs) then you need to turn your life over to Jesus Christ and stand up and walk like a man and act like a man and be the man that God's called you to be. But he'll never get out of that cradle without the gospel. Uh, You can tell I'm disturbed by that. Now, I don't think it's disturbed. I think it's more preturbed. I'm perturbed. (laughs) It makes you just want to grab somebody to slap the daylights at them. It's a good thing we don't work in the ways of the Old Testament prophets. I'd call some leprosy down on some people. Hello? They need a good dose of wake up. <laughs> oh, my Lord. <laughs> it's hard for me to be tolerant with ignorance. Oh, Jesus, help me. See, these are those days y'all are harping. Live stream, Pastor. Live Pastor ain't live streaming. Such a sweet spirit we had this morning. I probably should have let you sing us out. And just just went on. Oh. I started to say, you reckon the Lord knew it was going to get this bad? I'm sure he did. As it were in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. There was all manner of perversion. Look, perversion's not new. Are you hearing me? Stupidity is not news. Ignorance is not new. Man's been doing it since creation. That's the reason the preacher declared there's nothing new under the heavens. The depravity of man's life and the depths of the darkness of his soul, there is no limit. That's the reason the Lord came down and brought down the Tower of Babel. The hearts of men. That's the reason he had Noah build an ark. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Why? Because only evil was in men's heart, and it was there continually. So if it was that same 
condition in the day of Noah. What kind of condition is this world in? And the mandate for you and I to take care of the house. To take care of his house. He left them his house. We've been left his house to be be caretakers of. And when we think about all of that in Luke 14, 23 says, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. How many of you are compelling? We can't hardly compel because we're not truly committed to coming in ourselves. And so when you do try to compel others, they look and say, well, did you go last week? Well, no, but I'm going this week. Come go with me. Now I'm going fishing. So fishing they go. But when they see the evidence change in our life, and when we leave on a day like today, my spirit's going to be full when I leave here today simply already by the presence of the Lord that I've encountered and the worship that I've already offered up to Him. My soul is full and running over and I can't wait to get someone before me and say, Hey, where do you attend? Because the Lord is here. He's meeting us and visiting with us. Compel them to come in. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Not seven ways to a better you. Hello? Not 12 steps to financial success in the church. That's not what you're preaching. The the African people that Brother Mills was talking about were so poor but yet gave so liberally. They don't need 12 steps. They need the gospel. That's why 50 people give their heart to the Lord because the gospel confronts us with our condition. And when we are confronted with conviction of our condition, then the Holy Spirit draws us. But if the gospel isn't proclaimed to every creature, tell them about Jesus. Acts 1 and 8, be witnesses unto me and to the uttermost parts of the world. What was their reaction? How did they take this direction? They accepted this trust and went out to share, to shake, and to shock the world of their day. It has been said, Jesus went up, the Holy Ghost come down, and the disciples went out. According to Acts 17 and 6, they said that they that turned the world upside down have come here also. And it was at Ephesus where they were first called Christians. And his house is our mandated gift. He gave them his house. I got to thinking about that simple word house. And my mind went all the way back to Genesis. And where I find old Jacob running from his brother Esau. And he has some stones that he makes a pillow from. And he lays down to sleep as his escape is underway. And as he's laying asleep, he has a dream and he sees the vision of a ladder. And the angels of heaven going up and down, up and down. 
And when he awakened the next morning, he shook himself and he declared, Surely the Lord was here and I never knew it. And there from that moment he took the pillow and began to stack it up as an altar. And from that moment, that place which was called Luz is now be called Bethel, which means house of God, which means God dwelt here. It's a place of his residence. This is where I met God. And it was there. Oh, a few few chapters later, Jacob is still running, but God's about to reconcile him with his brother Esau, and he begins to make his way back. He wrestles with an angel of the Lord, and then he hears God one more time reaffirm a covenant promise that he made. Look, when you come to the house of the Lord, be rest assured that if God has ever spoke a promise over your life from time to time and occasion to occasion, he will always remind you of his faithful promise that he has made. It's a place of promise. The house of the Lord is a place of covenant. In that 15th verse in that 28th chapter, he tells Jacob, Behold, I am. I am with thee and will keep thee in all places. Verse 16, he says, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I knew it not. In verse 19, he builds that altar from his pillow and names that place the house of God. Yet as he moved away from Bethel, upon time to return, he's called back. The Lord said, go back to Bethel. Go back to where I spoke to you. My God, if you know people who are out of church, you need to look them in the eye and say, go back. Make your way back to the house of God where he promised you and where he made covenant with you. Go back because he that made the promise is going to be faithful to keep it. Make your way back to his house, the place of his dwelling, the place of his presence. Make your way back. Jacob makes his way back, but on the journey, he looks at his family and everybody says, put every God you got packed up behind us. Leave it here. Discard everything that isn't a holy and isn't of the Lord. Leave it here. In other words, he's saying, get sanctified. We're going back to the house of God. Hallelujah. The ha- <laughs> well, so he gets back, has another covenant affirmation, and he says, this is El Bethel. Remember, that's where he wrestles with that epiphany. He's wrestling through the night Here's that angel to him say, let me go, I got to get. He says, no, sir, you're not going anywhere until you bless me. Would to the heavens that we had enough grip on God to say that. Huh? I'm not letting go. No, sir, I am not letting go. I'm not letting go. And the thing about the house of God When you get a hold of God and you say, I'm not going to let you go until you touch me and you bless me. I'm telling you what the touch will do. The touch in Jacob's life, it smit him in that hip and he left out of there with a different walk. 
He left from El Bethel with a different walk. My God, my God in heaven, if we would get a hold of an altar somewhere until glory touched us, when we left here, we'd be walking a little bit different too. That's what the house of God will do for you. When you get in there and meet the God of the house of God, you'll get up after he touches you and you'll leave walking a different way. Hallelujah. House of God's a place of promise. It's a place for his glory to reside. Second Chronicles 7. Jesus said, I leave you my house. You remember what his declaration was? Matthew 16, I'll build my church. Right? Upon this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You go read 1 Timothy 3.15, you'll see that the house of God, which is the church, Timothy's telling them how to behave in the house of God, which is the church. Huh? I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. No longer does his presence dwell within the tabernacles of earth and clay and wood and mortar and brick. But now in earthen vessels we hold and contain the treasure of his presence. But in 2 Chronicles 7 when we read how Solomon is now ready to dedicate the house of God. That his father David hands was too bloody to build. But Solomon builds it and when it's complete... He's on a platform and he's praying. And the scripture says that when Solomon had made an end of prayer that the fire fell from heaven and the glory of God set in his house so that they were unable to stand before him and in the power of his presence. I'm telling you, let the glory and the fire fall in the church again. And look, you and I, according to 1 Peter 2, we are lively stones which are built up and we make about a spiritual house he left his house no wonder the author of Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 was so adamant about not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together in the manner that some is they already were currently forsaking the assembling as the house of worship. But he said, even so much more as you see the day approaching, encourage one another. Exhort one another. Why? Because we're living in the meantime. We're living in the meantime. The house of the Lord, according to Matthew 21, 13, Jesus said, it is written, my house shall be called the house of prayer. It is written. Where was it written? Isaiah read it. That's where. In 56, 7. Listen to this. Even them, he's talking about foreigners. He's talking about strangers. He's talking about proselytes. He said, even them will I bring to my holy mount and make them joyful in my house of prayer. In other words, everybody's welcome. Everyone is welcome. I'll bring them, the foreigner, the outcast. I'll bring them to my holy mountain. And I'm going to put joy in them. I'm going to fill them with joy. 
in my house of prayer. Hallelujah. The prayers are being answered, aren't they? God is hearing and answering prayer. God is delivering. God is saving. My Lord, He's moving mountains. He's providing. He's hearing and answering prayer. And there's joy that comes in the house of prayer. No wonder Jesus was so upset as He would turn the table of the money changers over and He said, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. So He cleanses His temple. He cleansed his house. He left them his house. How special is the house of the Lord? Well, it's very special to me. I cherish the house of the Lord. It's obvious. Should be obvious. If the shepherd don't cherish the house, who will? If the shepherd shows disregard for the house... Who will show regard? I think the house of the Lord should be the neatest, prettiest place around. Amen? It kind of causes me to do this when I go by and see church properties that are just in shambles. How special is the house of the Lord? Look what the psalmist said in 84 and 10. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Does coming here mean that much to you? It does to me. I can't explain to you a burden shift that the Lord gives shepherds that are called. I, I can't tell you how... How that works in your heart, how it works in your soul. There are men in here that know and understand that. They've experienced it. I can't tell you how much it means to me to be caretaker of this house. And if I couldn't do anything but open the door, I'd be glad to do it. Than to where the Lord found me, what he brought me from, and what he saved me out of. Hallelujah. I don't have to. I don't have to. I told him years ago, I don't have to do this. Don't want to do this. I tried doing everything else. Clerk, head usher, song leader, Sunday school teacher, cleaned the church on our turn to clean, done all of that stuff for over a year, trying not to have to do this stuff. <laughs> Some of these guys tell me, oh, I, I, just, <laughs> I, I just want to be in the ministry. I said, you're crazy. What do you mean you want to be in the ministry? Oh, I want to. I want a, a, a full support church. I said, you, you know not what you ask of. I tried everything I could do to get out of it. Let alone be giddy about getting in. Well, why? Look around you. Just take a good scan around. Look up if you can, if you can raise your head. Look around. I feel the weight of every soul in this room. Every day. Every day. Now, if you can do it without feeling that, I'm not going to sit under you. If you can't read the Word of God and be convicted by the Spirit to preach a Word that's going to align my sin, 
to tell me if I don't line up, I'm not going. I don't need your pat on the back to help me feel good about the misery that I'm living through. I need the preaching and the declaration of the gospel which confronts my condition because you and I are the house. Yeah. See, you and I now are the temple. What did Paul say? Know ye not that ye are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Defile not the temple. Now what the word says. What do we have hanging of the world's desires on the hallways and the inner chambers of our soul and spirit that doesn't belong there? What are we dividing the house with? He left them his house. Responsibility to continue building the church while we live in the meantime. Oh, but that's your responsibility. No, the command's to all of us. Go ye. How many is ye? You're ye. I'm ye. We're all ye. That's us. That's you. That's me. We are to be caretakers of his house. I'd rather be a doorkeeper, David said. The king. The king said it. King David. I'd rather be a doorkeeper house of my God can you imagine the songs of ascent as the people are coming toward Jerusalem on holy day many of them singing that Psalm 121 I will lift up mine eyes into the hills for whence cometh my help my help comes from the Lord the maker of the heavens and the earth Someone may be singing Psalm 91. Oh, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Knowing they're making their way toward the temple of God. Knowing that they're making their way for sacrifice and worship. Knowing they're making their way to where God's presence dwells. Are you that happy? I'm that happy every Sunday morning. One day here, one day here, one day in his house, one day in his courts, it's better than a thousand elsewhere. Understand? I want to be his house. These next few weeks are going to be fairly pastoral because we need reminded of the times in which we're living. We must stand reminded of our responsibility and the things that Christ has left the church. You and I have been given a special trust. And that's to take care of the house of the Lord. Whose house you are.
So how are you doing with his house? We hold this treasure now in earthen vessels. That's us. Tabernacles of clay, if you will. That's us. The Spirit of the Lord dwells in you. Thus, the Lord declares where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I. In the midst of them. So we gather. And so is it any wonder when any number of us come that he shows up? That he visits in our worship like he has this morning? For truly he's here. So how are you doing with his house? left them his house lively stones that build up a spiritual house that we may offer sacrifices and praise and worship unto him father I love you today I thank you for your visitation. I thank you for your help this morning for I have truly, truly felt your anointing. May we all consider our caretaking responsibility of the house. Not just this physical structure but the spiritual house, which is our lives. Some may say, Pastor, I'm not doing so well with the maintenance on my house. The spiritual maintenance on my house. I've somewhat defiled the house. I've brought in unclean things. Unholy things, sinful things I allow to live in me. And I want to put an end to that. I tell you what, I feel my spirit this morning. All those who want to have your house in order, just come and make your way to this front. Just stand down here with me. Wasn't that the word that the prophet brought to the king? Get your house in order or you're surely going to die. Hezekiah turns his face to the wall, begin to remind the Lord of his deeds and the acts that he had done for him. And Before Isaiah can get from the court of the king's palace, he received another word from the Lord. Go back and tell him. Go tell the king, you get 15 more years. Don't blow it. I want to be the house of the Lord. 
while we're living in the meantime. I don't want others that see us to recognize us as a house of the Lord. I'm not, just, I'm not talking about our church building right now. I'm talking about you. I want others to see you and know there's a difference. To know that you've been to the house of the Lord and you've come back walking a little different, like old Jake. He left with a limp, the Bible says, but he left right. And he remained right. I want us to remain right. See, I care enough about you to tell you if there's sin in your life, it's not going to work. I don't know how you think and process times, but as I've grown, I've tried to process some of that. Like, to myself. Well, how much sin do you think you can get in heaven with? Well, you think that'll keep you out? Well, if I have to ask myself that, yes. Yeah. But I'm just going to tell you, I try to err to the side of righteousness. Some of you in here know the phrase, raised in the old school. And then know that. That's where I was raised. So, for myself, the scripture says, let every man work out his own salvation. It takes a little more work to keep pastor. And I want to keep you. I don't know how the judgment's going to be one day, but I picture it in my mind. Because those of us who are, are called to preach and teach, Prophets and pastors and evangelists, we're going to be held at a higher rate of accountability. We are. Pastor Terry, I don't know how it's going to be, but I pictured in my mind after I have been judged for old Cliff. Hear me? When I've stood before God, hopefully with the blood remaining applied, and hear that well done, but stand there a minute. And he begins to call church after church to stand. And then I'm judged for that. I'm judged for how I preached, taught, and led, and ministered to the New Martin Church of God for a little over five years. Then I will stand for the Lafayette Church of God for a little over six years and the accountability that I will have for what I shared to, with, and for them. And then, for 13 and a half years, for the Woodward Avenue Church of God and for the hundreds and thousands that come through there, I'll have to give an account to what went across this podium. And I know, my Lord, I'm going to get in trouble for some goofy stuff like I say this morning. As long as I'm getting reprimanded for goofy and not sin or neglect 
Neglect. What neglect? To tell you the truth that you can't get into heaven full of sin. And then, I'll give an account for this day, every previous Sunday before, and every Sunday following, I'll give an account. I'll give an account. And so, I want to be able to give a just account. And on April 23rd, 2023, under the inspiration of the Spirit and the anointing of the Holy Ghost, I told you the truth. I declared to you, you are His house. He loves His house. He cares about His house. He died for, He left them His house. He died for His house. You and I are it. We're it. So, let's all start with a, a clean slate. Right here. I'm going to repent. We do not make that a spiritual practice and discipline in our life. And you should. Continually. Repent. What for? Sins of omission and commission. Things you fail to do. How many of us have left convicted when we've been urged by the Spirit to talk to someone about the Lord and we just didn't? And then you leave and you're getting your legs striped when you're like six years old. The Holy Ghost. I had to work for them. That's omission. Sin of disobedience. Then those, those sins we commit, lies we tell. And I'm not going to go through a litany of sins if you're, you see what I'm saying? Because what we do in secret is lit up like an LED sign in the heavens. The Lord sees your heart. So, you just have to take it up to the Lord, you got such a goofy pastor. Pray for him. My heart's heavy with the spiritual condition of his house. I want it to be the house that he left, the one he comes for. Father, in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, the supreme sacrifice for all our sins, I stand before you today, Lord, and I do repent for both sins, from that which I disobey to that which I may commit, as I endeavor within the depths of my soul not to sin against you. But as the psalmist said, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Your word is in me, but I'm grateful today. That we have an advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus the righteous. And if we confess our sin, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. I repent. Come on, saints, repent. Just tell the Lord.
I repent for doubt and disbelief. Actions that are not pleasing, words that are not pleasing, attitude that is not pleasing to you, Lord. Purify me, cleanse me, I repent today. That your joy bring me into your house, into the holy mountain. And fill us full of joy in your house of prayer. As we pray, forgive us. Forgive us. Forgive us. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. Cleanse me. Purify me. Purge me. So grateful today. I want to be your house. The house of the Lord. The house of the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen, amen. From all points of this church, stretch your way, your hands toward this way and toward this altar. Heavenly Father, mighty God, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, so grateful today. We're so thankful today. Your hand of mercy and grace was over us. Lord, we're going to need a touch and need a healing touch. Strengthening touch in body, Lord. Father God, in the name of Jesus, touch these ladies as they stand before you in your presence. Heal their bodies. Heal their mind. Strengthen them by your grace. Lord, we're so thankful and grateful today. So thankful, so grateful this morning for your hand of mercy and grace. Touch your house. This is your house standing before you. You died for your house. Touch your house. Lord, may we all leave this place walking differently than we came in. Different. Cleansed. Different. Cleansed. Blessed with favor following us. Thank you today, Jesus. Thank you today, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just worship him a minute. Hallelujah.